the way we ask the question is more important than the question itself. So we do need to be very mindful of our tonality, our body language. And I think, to be honest, if we get that intention right up front, I am actually here to help people to be empowered, to hear their ideas, to genuinely release their capability and potential, then I think we'll get that bit right. Hi, I'm Lindsay Tide, founder of Better Questions, and you're listening to the Pharmacy Business and Career Network podcast. Welcome to the Pharmacy Business and Career Network podcast, brought to you by the Pharmacy Guild of Australia. Focusing on pharmacy management and ownership, the PBCN podcast supports the improvement and growth of your business performance with insights and advice from a range of industry professionals. The PBCN podcast, supporting your journey every step of the way. Today we speak with Lindsay Tighe and Tina Dolphin from the organisation Better Questions about transforming our communication. We discuss how to improve your communication skills, what makes a better question, how to avoid telling, and the importance of listening. Asking better questions creates stronger professional and personal relationships, resulting in more empowerment, engagement, motivation, and better outcomes for everyone. Here's Lindsay and Tina. Lindsay and Tina, welcome to the show. We just heard in the intro just a little bit about the business Better Questions in my introduction, but Lindsay, it would be great to hear from you about Better Questions and how you help organisations. I actually started the business about 12 years ago. Uh, Prior to that, I was very passionate about asking people better questions. And I really realized that they have a profound and positive impact on the world. So that actually led me to publish my first book, which is called The Answer, Improve Your Life by Asking Better Questions. And it was so lovely that after I published that book, I did actually get contacted by some people who said, we actually think that this would be a great message that we could teach to our people in an organization. And so um, I actually developed a workshop that I could then run in organizations And I think um, what I realized is that questioning is such an unappreciated skill in our world. I think it's something that people often just go, oh, a question. Well, that's just a sentence with a question mark at the end. And what I'm really wanting people to do is to really appreciate how amazing questions can be. So in essence, uh, the workshop that I put together actually um, really helps people to become so conscious of the way that they are habitually communicating. And um, what I want to help them to realize is that if they ask those better questions, they can actually empower people and that will undoubtedly lead to better outcomes in, in so many ways. So in terms of organisations, often the work that I will do is to really help them to firstly think about how this skill can enable them to create a better workplace. It can really enable people to have more positive workplace cultures. And there's no doubt that when managers and leaders learn to be better questioners, they actually will 
be better leaders. There's there's no doubt about that, which of course means they have more high performing teams. And ultimately, then those people in the teams will have better relationships, not only within the organization, but actually with the clients that they're working with. And of course, what's lovely is if they can use the skills with their clients, they will get better outcomes. And the other thing that's so beautiful is whenever I teach these skills, it becomes very apparent that even though we're teaching it in that professional context, it is a lovely skill that they can use uh, outside of work as well. So um, that's pretty much how we work with organisations to uh, deliver better questions. Tina, most people would agree that they can be better communicators. And of course, we all know the benefits of good communication. There is a lot that goes into good communication though, but why the focus on questions? Why are questions so beneficial in good communication? I'm really glad you asked me that question, Daniel. Look, I feel this aspect of our training is really exciting to share. And that is because questions are really powerful and they have the power to bring about positive change to people's lives. The way they do that is by influencing our thinking. And um, we have around 60,000 thoughts per day. And the majority of those thoughts, we have the same of again the following day. And those majority of thoughts relate to our behaviours. So if you think about that for a minute, uh, you'll soon um, get to realise that we are creatures of habit. So this habitual thinking keeps us doing the same things. And this is what the Buddha um, is referring to in his famous quote, we are what we think. And He's referring to a process that takes place which starts with our thoughts and our thoughts lead and influence our feelings and then our feelings go on to influence our behaviours and those behaviours are what bring about the results or the outcomes that we experience in our life. So what we can take from that then is if we can change our thinking, we can then change our feelings, our behaviours and our results. So if we're really conscious about our thoughts and we're conscious around, you know, what we, what outcomes we want to achieve, um, then we can bring a more positive um, aspect to those, to those thoughts, feelings, behaviours and results. So how do we do that? Well, when our thinking changes, things change and we change. So if we ask um, a different question, to what we used to being sort of um, asked by someone else or the way that we do our own self-reflective questioning, then we can literally bring about different thoughts and create that change um, in our lives and in, in other people's lives too. So I think overall, in answer to your question, that's probably the most exciting um, thing to be able to really draw people's attention to is that that power that they have within themselves um, to make those positive changes in their lives or if they're using this questioning technique with other people, um, that they have that ability to really influence and bring about positive change and facilitate positive change in other people's lives. So I think that's really quite something amazing to be able to offer someone. Um, 
the other fabulous thing that questions do um, is have the ability to challenge um, people's thinking. I'm sort of probably thinking more about people's limiting beliefs. Um, so, you know, oftentimes we'll hear people say things like, oh, I'll never be good at X, Y, Z, or I'll never be able to do that. Uh, and often, you know, within the sort of sector that we deliver this training, we do a lot of training in the aged care sector. We hear of people hearing um, their clients saying, you know, I'm too old to do that. And um, so when we hear that kind of language, that's a good signal to us to, you know, use questions in a way to be able to get people to think differently um, and maybe challenge those beliefs and open up people's opportunities to things that they would otherwise be, you know, blocking themselves um, from achieving. So, um, you know, I can give you a little example there where I remember I trained um, a lady who was working in the aged care sector and she was seeing a gentleman that, uh, an elderly Greek gentleman that had, his wife had passed away and, you know, and he was very forlorn, very, you know, feeling very, very low. And so she was trying to cheer him up and get him to think of things, you know, that he could he could do to to be feeling better about life, basically. And um, so she asked him some better questions and he came up with this idea that perhaps he could go to Greece and visit some of his elderly relatives that he hadn't seen for years. And as soon as a thought came to him and, you know, she could see him um, through his body language, his facial expressions, that that lifted him a little bit. But as soon as, almost as soon as that thought came to him, then the limiting uh, thoughts or belief that he had that he was too old sort of immediately followed up, um, you know, with that, that, that thought. And you could see his body language change again and he felt forlorn again and he was just saying, oh, no, well, that's ridiculous. I, I can't do that. I'm too old. And so what this lady did then was, was remembered her better questions training and challenged that belief. And through her questioning, um, he came to the decision that actually if he went with someone else, he would feel confident to go and his age really wasn't an issue with him going. And he did end up actually going on that trip um, to Greece with his daughter, in fact. So so that was a lovely outcome. So that, that, that's a you know, a nice little story to share there about how when we hear them, we can, you know, pull in these questions that can challenge uh, beliefs. Secondly, the other thing I want to just mention about um, questions is, is their power to improve our relationships. And the way they do that is that when we bring questions um, into our communication and our conversation style is that people will feel listened to or heard uh, when we ask them more questions in our conversations. And so when people um, start to feel that they're really truly being listened to, essentially what that does then is open them up to us. They, they feel more respected and more trusted and so therefore more relaxed and sharing information with us. So um, that has to be a great thing um, because ultimately that leads to us understanding them better being able to match their needs and offer them solutions um, and, you know, a, a sort of a real win-win outcome for both parties. Now, Lindsay, most people ask questions. As you mentioned earlier, that can often just be seen 
as a sentence with a question mark at the end. But in fairness, it's a fairly standard part of our communication with other people. But what makes a question, a standard question, a better question? As you quite rightly say, Daniel, people often think I'm already asking lots of questions. So I think to really get people to stop and become conscious of what is it then about a question that can make it better is a lovely thing to become aware of. So I always start by asking people to become conscious of their intention when they are asking the question. And what I find very often is that people will ask what I call information gathering questions. And what what happens with those is that, yes, they're asking questions and often they can be good open questions, but their intention is to get information to enable them to still be able to be the expert themselves. And whilst I appreciate sometimes that can be a valid thing if we need to diagnose or, uh, you know, give advice, obviously that style of questioning can be good. But what we have to recognise is there's many questions that we can ask that ultimately will empower people. And so, you know, I challenge people to think about, well, what is what is your intention when you're asking this? If it, if it is only simply to enable you to be the expert, fantastic. But I think most people don't appreciate that questions can be asked to help other people to be empowered and to help them to be the expert. And you'll hear uh, from me later about how much beneficial that can be. So a starting point is the the intention and acknowledging who is the expert when we're thinking about asking those questions. But adding to that, I think the other key aspect is really being mindful of how we are asking the question. And I always remember an example of a lady who actually was attending my workshop and she acknowledged that her manager already asked her lots of questions. And I thought that was, I said, fantastic, because I'll be honest, I don't hear that too often. I usually hear the comment, my manager needs to do your training. So um, I was really impressed that she said that to me. But she went on to say, she said, Lindsay, it's not good because she said, my manager will ask me a question and I'll try and use the tonality that she, she used. She said, she'll say, so, so and so, what do you think you could do? And very clearly, the the lady's manager was asking her a question, not with the intention that she wanted to empower her or trust her to come up with an answer. She was really asking the question in a way that her the lady said, Lindsay, I never answer my manager's questions because she said, I feel on the spot. I feel like I'm going to get it wrong. And I just tell my manager, I don't know. So, you know, the advice I will always give people is the way we ask the question is more important than the question itself. So we do need to be very mindful of our tonality, our body language. And I think, to be honest, if we get that intention right up front, I am actually here to help people to be empowered, to hear their ideas, to genuinely release their capability and potential, then I think we'll get that bit right. And the other point that often does get overlooked with good questioning is the need to ask it with an open mind. 
because um, so many times I'll hear examples of people asking questions, but they've got the answer in mind. And when somebody doesn't give them the answer that they're expecting, it's so easy to tell them that their answer is wrong. And we probably don't do it as, you know, rudely as that. But, you know, we will basically let them know that, no, their answer is wrong. Um, and open mindedness is something that I think a lot of people say they I am open minded. But where the second we, we say something different to what they think, then they judge us as being wrong. So. Having that open mind, I think, is really fundamental to um, ask or making a question a better question. Um, and I think the final thing, you know, one of the things I love to, to teach people is just raising their awareness around the structure of the questions we're asking. And I think most people appreciate open and closed questions. But even within that understanding, some open questions are better than others and um, really helping people to appreciate some of those differences is really important. And my final little thing that I always, always help people be aware of with the questions themselves is being mindful not to ask. And we've actually made up a little term, Tina and I, that we use. We call them questions. And a, a question is really a suggestion disguised as a question. Um, and people often will say, do you think you could talk to so-and-so about that? And they think that they're asking a good question, but in reality, they are actually saying, I think you should do that. And they're making a suggestion, but they're pretending that they're questioning. So um, I think there's, there's quite a few things there to be mindful of around making a question a better question. Tina, Lindsay just highlighted what makes a question a better question. And before we talked about what the benefits of questions are. So now let's contrast all of that. Tina, what happens if we do too much telling in a conversation? Too much telling can be something that we get into by default. Okay. So that can be our natural style of communication, but it's just, you know, we, we become less conscious of what we're doing and Really, that is something that, you know, better questions we really try to do is bring people um, to, be, to be more aware of, of, you know, doing too much telling. Um, but the consequences um, are probably a really good thing for us to just list um, a few through to, to understand the, the negative effect that too much telling can have on people. So one of the things that we know is that if people are told what to do all the time, um, that they really don't need to think for themselves. And so whilst that might be kind of, um, you know, good for some people in, at, at some point, you know, is that it's easy and they don't have to put any effort in, ultimately um, that can lead to them feeling really, um, you know, as if they're not really being considered or, um, you know, and, and become passive in um, their approach to doing things, whether that's their self-care or their health or, you know, in any other aspect that we, we might think about there. And, you know, and ultimately, if they don't just get used to someone else having the answers for them, they just lose that ability to uh, you know, work that muscle, so to speak, and, and be creative and, and think of their own answers and solutions. 
So um, overall, what we see, if this is something that is, is perpetuated, is that people really start to lose a sense of themselves. Um, they lose their self-esteem and, and with that comes their lack of confidence. Um, that can also then lead to less resilience and people's ability to cope. Um, also, what it can do is, is make people feel disempowered. And we know that can be a really negative downward spiral again. Um, and so, you know, we want to empower people. And, and that's something that questions can do is really empower people um, to take charge of their own life, to get excited by their own ideas. And that ultimately, you know, is, some, is really motivating for people. Um, the other thing that, uh, you know, it's great, it's a loss of, uh, lost opportunity um, when people aren't encouraged to find their own answers because that's where we get great initiatives, you know, new ideas. And um, so we lose out on people's creativity. Um, also, I think it's important that we also talk about how um, people become dependent on uh, people, institutions, organisations that are instructing, doing too much telling. Um, so, you know, that, that can be a really negative outcome is if people rely on us or rely on the system too much. So ultimately, that, that's the worst thing that can happen. Lindsay, Tina just contrasted telling and questioning for us and what happens if we do too much telling. But what is it that drives people to more typically tell as opposed to asking good questions when they communicate? I think the first thing that I always acknowledge is that most people will tell because they want to help. And I think that's such a beautiful, beautiful intention. They, they really genuinely believe that when they tell, they are helping. But as you heard from Tina previously, we don't realise those negative consequences when we do that too much. So I always say to people, please keep your intention to want to help, but let's think about how we might do that differently. Um, sometimes your telling will be helpful, but on many occasions, and particularly if we're doing it too much, we actually end up not being helpful. But let's acknowledge that's a driver. I think the other things that drive people to tell is that people really believe that they know best. And again, I have to acknowledge sometimes that is true. Um, my guidance always is that um, if the other person hasn't got, you know, that level of expertise, sometimes your telling can be helpful. Um, but we have to sometimes let go of, and I'm going to add another word in here that often people don't like to acknowledge, we have to let go of our ego, and I think ego is a very interesting driver of telling because not only are we programmed to want to make ourselves look and feel good, um, I think, you know, when we feel we've been helpful, then we genuinely believe that, you know, we've done something good or, or well. And um, I think that ego drives us to think that we know best when in actual fact on many occasions the other person is actually the expert. Um, another factor that also comes into play here, which is interesting, is most people like to be in control. And I would always say to uh, people when we 
going through our training is let's be aware when we actually tell we are in control, when we ask, we let go of control and we hand it to somebody else. And whilst I don't ever want to be disrespectful to people and suggest that they are control freaks, <laughs> I do always say to people, I think most of us like to be a lot more in control than we realize. And so the idea of letting go of control can feel a little bit scary. And so a driver of telling is actually wanting to be in control. Um, a couple more that I wanted just to highlight is definitely often we feel under pressure to be a teller. Um, I know that so many people I work with, whether that's um, managers or health professionals, pharmacists, you know, often people come to them with the expectation that they're going to tell. And so we feel under pressure to have to be the expert and we feel that we might disappoint people if we do start asking questions. So I think it's really important that we acknowledge that and we have some strategies then to manage that. So that's definitely something that we address in our training. And, you know, my final one is, is to ask people to be honest and acknowledge that telling often is an unconscious habit. And one of the things I will challenge people to do is to really become conscious of um, the way they are communicating. And so many people say to me, Lindsay, I had no idea how much telling I was doing. You know, they'll say to me, I went home, I caught myself telling my five-year-old son, I caught myself telling my husband, and I caught myself telling clients or uh, colleagues. Um, so I certainly know I was an unconscious teller 20 years ago, and I've reflected and recognised I did that because telling was role model to me everywhere in my world. So one of the things I invite people to do is when they've done our training, I say, please join me in the Recovering Tellers Club. So um, I think that's one to be very mindful as well. It is an unconscious habit. Clearly, there are some great benefits for those of us who are tellers to focus more on asking better questions. But Tina, how does a manager or maybe an organisation as a whole get people on board with this style of communication and focus more on asking better questions rather than just doing what they're doing already? In an ideal world, this would be an organisation-wide approach. So the best approach is if Better Questions is adopted by the entire organisation. So we want to create a questioning culture. That's an inquisitive, curious culture, a respectful inquiry culture. And um, so when a, a manager or leader understands the benefit that this type of um, communication approach has for them in that, you know, this, that creates less pressure on them. They don't have to be there all the time to be able to tell people what to do. They, you know, hopefully we see their to-do lists get shorter um, and they start to see their team members thinking for themselves, doing for themselves and ultimately performing better, um, which, you know, has an impact ultimately then on the overall performance of the organisation. So... Um, you know, we also recognise that a change of approach um, can sometimes make people feel unsure at first. 
So in our workshops, we cover how to deal with this sort of potential of resistance to the asking approach. And we provide people with the strategies to overcome this and support their, their team or their clients to feel more confident uh, with this question focused uh, approach. Um, and, you know, and hopefully they get a sense of um, the benefits for them as well. Well, Lindsay, let's say that people are taken by what you've spoken about. You've piqued their interest and they want to be a better communicator and ask better questions. Can you break it down a little bit for them? What are some of the key things they need to practice? You spoke earlier about being in the the recovery group. What do they need to do to practice to be a better questioner? Yeah, I think, you know, the first thing is, is um, really being aware of when is it okay to tell and when should I actually be asking questions? And, you know, so many people perhaps have never really stopped to think about that. And one of the things I'm very clear about is that when people don't know the answer, then clearly that would be a time to tell. But let's acknowledge there are so many opportunities when people have ideas, they know answers, or they're capable of working it out for themselves. And I think if we remember that, then that gives us a clue as to decide when we should ask or when we should tell. Following on from that then becomes this level of awareness, this consciousness. And, you know, I always say when we are conscious, we can choose to change. And I think our, our lives are so busy, conversations happen so quickly, we're often feeling stressed or under pressure. So we just respond in that habitual way. But if we can really slow things down and think about making our response rather than just reacting, then I think that that's a great, great step that we can take. And I know it might feel a little bit awkward to start with, but it is about building that muscle. Um, sitting in with that is also the ability then to really think about how well we're listening. So really being conscious of how well am I listening. Um, so that's part, such an integral part of being a better questioner. And the other thing that I know people find really helpful is to build a little bit of a repertoire or toolkit of good questions. Um, obviously, we help with uh, giving people a model of questions and some good basic questions. Um, we've actually now got an app, which is a toolkit of questions. So I think having some good questions uh, there that we can ask is an important part of our practice. Um, and also one of the things that we really help people become aware of is the need to maybe educate people around what we're doing and why we're trying to ask better questions because often people misinterpret as asking questions. They may think we're being unhelpful. We, they may think that we're putting them on the spot. So I think part of our practice needs to have some good ways of letting people know what we're doing and why we're doing it so that we can get them on the same page as us. And, you know, the final bit of advice that I will always give people who are on the journey of learning to be a better questioner is really about practice, practice, practice. You know, if we acknowledge that it is an unconscious habit, 
the only way that we're going to change a habit as with anything is to continue to practice, keep checking in how we're going, reviewing our progress and then keep practicing. And eventually, I think, it, you know, we can we can absolutely change that habit. There is some research that says, can the mind rewire the brain? And yes, absolutely, we can. But we've just got to practice to enable that to happen. So, Tina, we have spoken about how to be better at questioning, but obviously listening is a necessary skill as well. That's what makes up communication. If we are skilled at asking better questions, we can't simply just let that dominate our conversations, can we? What can you tell us about the importance of listening and how to do that well? Listening is just really the other part of the equation. So, listening is paramount and we have to be really good listeners if we want to be really good questioners. So the, we, we have a saying in our workshops and that is that the clue to our next question is in the previous answer. And so we really encourage people to be great listeners first and foremost and that ultimately makes questioning easier. So... We also say that if you don't have time to listen, that you really don't have time to question either. Um, so if you don't have time to stick around for the answer, then, then um, you know, don't don't ask in the first place. Um, but, you know, what comes before that is listening. So we often hear the phrase active listening and a lot of people understand the importance of listening and really being present when people are talking. One of the things that we do in our workshops is bring to people's attention some of the things that we might do when we're having conversations with people that we're unaware of um, in some of our listening habits. We call them listening traps. Um, and uh, I'll give you a couple of examples. So one of the things that we talk about is uh, listening with our own story. And um, people often sort of smirk when I bring bring that up. And I think we're all pretty guilty of this sometimes. But as the title suggests, uh, what we can tend to do is listen to people and listen out for cues in the topic or whatever it is they're talking about so that we can respond with our own story that relates to what they're talking about. And so why that's kind of a nice thing to do perhaps when we're building rapport or in a social context. Um, it's not great when we're really trying to be fully present and listen to a person and understand and understand them. So, you know, if we're trying to think of when we can jump in with our own examples and um, story, then we're, we're really not being present and listening to their own their story. The other thing that we, we refer to as well is listening with our own meaning. And that relates to when someone talks about something, an experience possibly that's happened to them, often we can respond in a way that reflects how we feel about that particular issue or that kind of thing happening. Um, so, for example, um, if somebody said to me, you know, oh, my divorce comes through today and I had no clue from their tone, and I might respond with, oh, dear, I'm really sorry to hear about that. Or I might respond with, woohoo, when's the party? Um, 
Um, so we need to be mind, mindful of that, that we can't react to a comment somebody makes um, with um, that reaction demonstrating our own thoughts or our own meaning to what they're saying. Um, we also use the phrase, listen um, and get yourself out of the way. So that's what that's kind of relating to there, um, that we don't listen through our own sort of filtering system. The other thing probably I do need to say on the topic of listening, and I think this is probably the most important um, aspect of listening, is that we generally tend to not have enough silence in our conversations. So silence has a lot of power um, in that what we can do by creating more silence, essentially that's asking, asking a question and then shutting up, um, is, in, is in that time when we're holding the space for the person to come up with their answer is that we're allowing a really beautiful silence to occur so that they can have those new thoughts that we're really hoping they're having as a result of our better question. And um, so by holding that silence, we can really allow that thought to come to its fruition and allow that person to, to answer. Lindsay, as you've been talking, my brain has been cycling through different scenarios that I find myself in often where I could potentially be asking better questions and, and that would help the outcomes of the conversations, whether that's with my family or helping coach kids sports or in business. Are there any situations or environments where using the skill of asking better questions works best? Yeah, I think it's so lovely that you've acknowledged the potential breadth of how and when we can use better questions. I acknowledge that the majority of the work that we do is actually working with organisations, enabling, supporting people to become better questions and thinking about that in their professional roles. Um, and as you've heard already, there's no doubt that that really does work beautifully in so many contexts um, and really adds value to the conversations people are having in their professional roles. But um, you're absolutely right. The reality is these skills can be used everywhere in our lives. And I certainly always encourage people to think about applying these skills across every context of their life, because my absolute belief and knowledge is that if we all ask better questions, we are really helping make the world be a better place. And, you know, I've got a couple of beautiful examples. I had, um, I actually was invited to talk at a conference in Brisbane a few years ago. Um, it was actually a nursing conference. And um, a couple of weeks after I had delivered my little workshop, I had a lady ring me and she said, hi, Lindsay, I heard you talk at the conference. And she was uh, very complimentary. And then she actually said to me, Lindsay, you have saved my marriage. And I actually said to the lady, are you joking? Because nobody's ever said that to me before. And she said, no, 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 Lindsay, I am not joking. She said, I've been using better questions in my relationship and it has made a dramatic difference. 
Um, I always do, though, say to people, Daniel, I am not promising any marriage guidance. <laughs> yes. Yeah, so I, I always make sure I add that one in. Um, and then another beautiful example, I had a, a lovely lady who actually contacted me just before Christmas. She had done a virtual workshop with me and she shared with me. And honestly, I cried. She said, I um, I had uh, really struggled with my 15 year old son. Um, apparently, during the lockdowns, he had had, um, you know, some quite uh, difficult time and her relationship with him had really broken down. And in fact, he was refusing to go back to school. And she shared with me how she had been applying the techniques that she had learned in our workshops. And ultimately, she just said, Lindsay, our relationship has transformed. I cannot thank you enough. And it honestly, it brought tears to my eyes when she shared what she did. So um, I love to let people recognize this is a beautiful skill we can use everywhere in our lives. Tina, no doubt a lot of the listeners are thinking, well, this is great. I can't wait to start asking better questions. But we all know that life can get in the way and we just kind of revert back to habits and the status quo. So, Tina, what are some of the ways people can remember to practice the skill of asking better questions? That's the hard part, right? So the answer to that really is it just all comes down to practice. So we need to make this habitual. So if you think about those 60,000 thoughts that I referred to um, earlier, we need to make or asking better questions, one of those thoughts that we have on a you know a regular day-to-day basis. So that's the way that we break the habit. So until this becomes the new way or our new default way of communicating, then what we need to do is to have ways to remind us to keep it top of mind for us to bring this into our habitual way of, of communicating. So we often suggest that, you know, if you've learned this this way of questioning um, with other people, so usually within your organisation or even at a public workshop or even on one of our online um, virtual workshops, that you can ask someone who um, is either sitting next to you or on the screen next to you, you know, if they would like to, um, practice with you and, um, you know, and just, just arrange to have regular catch-ups where you practice the technique with each other. And that's, that's really the way to really get this embedded into your mind as to, you know, uh, having conversations using the better questions approach is by practicing with someone um, helps you bring this into um, your regular default way of communicating. So a buddy, buddying up with someone is ideal. The other way to keep this top of mind, of course, is to have visual prompts. So maybe you might have, you know, if you're a Post-it note fan, you can have a Post-it note on your screen or next to your phone and um, just with a few questions um, and or even the, we share a model in our workshop. So if you've already done the workshop, you'd be able to have um, the model sitting there as well, which is our framework. It's a conversation that takes someone from problem or an issue place through to a solution. Um, so that's a really great um, visual to have. Um, we also have an app, which is a fantastic way just to have questions readily available in your pocket, ready to ask someone. 
Um, so that's available either on Google Play or the App Store um, with over 200 questions that relate to typical scenarios. So um, a really um, fabulous way to um, use the app and become you know, proficient in, in asking those questions. The more you see the questions written down, the, more, the easier they become to, to use. Um, you can also ask other people to keep you on track. So again, if you've if you've done this the training with us, then you can um, ask other people within the training, or you know maybe someone at home or someone at work can um, just you know help you do that. Um, and we also have a Facebook page where you know, obviously there's people within uh, Better Questioning community regularly posting there, and we post there regularly. So that's a good good thing to have popping up on your Facebook page. And we also have something called the question of the week, which has proven to be really popular. And that is, as it sounds, a question, uh, a weekly question that comes into your inbox on the Monday morning. And um, it's a tip, it's, it's a question um, that, you know, often relates to something uh, that, you know, could be a perfect question for you that week or a perfect question for one of your clients. And uh, but it's also is a reminder to keep the better questioning approach um, top of mind. So um, and of course, there's lots of other ways to do this. So through our online um, workshop platform, there are lots of different options there and including our refresher program. So if you've already done the training, there's a way to sort of, um, you know, keep keep that top of mind again by doing our refresher um, a little a little while down the track after you've done the initial training with us. Lindsay, such a good chat. Let's underline the importance of asking better questions for the listeners. What outcomes can people expect to get from moving to being a better questioner? I think fundamentally for me it is always about having those better relationships. And, of course, when we have those better relationships, and people feel differently, they feel trusted, um, they feel that you believe in them, they feel that you are genuinely there to help them to find their own and better answers, then of course that will lead to better outcomes in every context, yeah, so whether that's in health or personally or whatever that may be. Um, I think one of the things that is so beautiful is that when people are asked better questions, there's no doubt there is research actually from neuroscience that tells us how much more motivated people will be. And I have a beautiful little story, actually, example of a, a lady who came to our workshop who was working at a smoking cessation clinic. And she had shared with us um, how a gentleman was actually attending the clinic, but he had actually got to the point of being, and I love this little term they use, a non-compliant client. So pretty much they were ready to kick him out of the program in a nice way, obviously, but he wasn't doing what he was being told to do. But she shared with us how she had been applying better questions. And, you know, basically, without going into too much detail, she actually said to me, Lindsay, a few weeks after we had been using better questions with him, the client became the star performer at the smoking cessation clinic. So um, I thought that was really beautiful that uh, he was now motivated and it was very different outcome. 
So, I mean, ultimately, you know, I, I just love people to realize that when we ask them, ask people better questions, people will have more self-belief. They grow in confidence. They are likely to be more resilient. They are able to think for themselves. They can make their own decisions. They can use their initiative. And most importantly, they can be less reliant on other people or services. And, you know, I, I struggle for anybody to say that that they wouldn't want to work, create a world where all of those things were apparent. And that's what happens when we ask people better questions. I did have an email recently from a gentleman, and literally this is what he said. He was a manager in a, an organization, and he said, Lindsay, I wasn't aware of my tendency to tell so much in my communication. Thanks to better questions, I've learned to communicate in a more empowered way, which has made me feel more close to my team, and I feel I am really being appreciated now as a good leader. So it, it's so beautiful when you hear about those better outcomes that happen. Lindsay, you've mentioned a few times and shared stories about the work that you do with clients and some some amazing stories and outcomes that you've shared there. So obviously, you offer training and services to people in this area. Let us know a little bit about some of the options and what you offer and is available for people. Up until recently was really face-to-face -face workshops and Tina and I would be very busy traveling around the country doing meeting lots of lovely people and delivering workshops but clearly with uh, the lockdowns and various restrictions that proved to be quite difficult so we're actually really excited that we as well as now offering face-to-face -face, I think you know we have started to get that back happening again more recently but added into our uh, offerings is actually the option to do virtual workshops now. And uh, we've broken down our full day workshop into bite-sized chunks, so it makes it easier and more manageable for people to attend. And those are working beautifully. We've, we've kept the numbers to a really nice small group so we can engage people. So that's been a lovely, lovely way. And one of the things I actually personally did in lockdown was um, I actually developed an online workshop or program which is a 10 module program um, and I'm really excited that people can actually undertake the program completely online now um, so of course individuals can register to do the training or we can work with whole work teams and um, other things that people can do I've got I've actually published nine books I think you heard that in the intro I've got ebooks I've got lots of freebies on the website we have um, an app I mentioned that. So there's lots of things available that can help people on their journey to become a better questioner. Lindsay, such a great chat. If people want to connect with you and find out more about the business, what can they do? Where can they go? The best place is our website, which is betterquestions.com.au, all lowercase. Of course, I love people to contact me to have a chat. So uh, my email is lindsay, L-I-N-D-S-A-Y, at betterquestions.com.au. Um, I'm also on LinkedIn. You can find me on there. And we do have a Facebook page, which is Better Questions AU. Um, so people are very welcome to see what we're posting on there quite regularly as well. Lindsay Tighe and Tina Dolphin of Better Questions, thank you so much for coming on the show and sharing your advice around helping us all ask better questions. Thank you. It's been an absolute pleasure to share this passion with you. Thank you. 
What an insightful conversation. It might even make me think about how I ask better questions for our future podcast guests. Now, many of the tips we have heard today will be useful when speaking to those in your everyday life, whether you are speaking with your patients, business partners, your teams, family, or friends, you can put what you have heard today into practice. And if you would like further information on the Better Question philosophy, services, or workshops, simply visit betterquestions.com.au. Gilded also has a range of courses that explore communication in the pharmacy setting. And for more information, visit guildedgilded.org.au. I've been your host, Daniel Oyston, and you've been listening to episode 75 of the PBCN Podcast. The PBCN Podcast, supporting your journey every step of the way. For more resources, to access support or advice, or to view this episode's show notes, visit guild.org.au.